Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another Facebook Live session with myself. I am Sarah, and shortly I'll be joined by Jason Perry, Managing Director at ASL Recruitment. Jason is also a Chartered Fellow of the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development, and he is also an HR specialist. So he's well placed to answer any questions you may have regarding things that are going on and how they affect you at work. So, with no further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Jason. Let's see, Jason, are you there? Good morning, Sarah. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? Good, good. Very well. I see the two-week break has really helped master saying the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development. I'm very impressed. <laughs> I still have to take a minute, but you never know. <laughs> you know by the end of the year, I might actually have got there. You'll be an expert. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, speaking about being an expert, we uh, we actually can open this particular session with a question that we've had uh, come in um, just before we went live. So uh, let me hit you with it. Um, the question was, if you've been on furlough, can you be made redundant at the end of October when the furlough scheme ends? Somebody's okay. asking for their question. Okay. Um, quite an interesting question because there are some changes coming up on this. Um, so... In answer to the, the, the direct question, if you are on furlough, um, can you be made redundant whilst on furlough or when the schema ends? The answer is yes, you absolutely can. What you need to know about redundancy is there's two points that come into play. One, there is a notice period of redundancy, um, which will be contractually entitled to. Now, that period, you can either be asked to work or not work, but you will be paid it. And let's say you're given four weeks' notice. So if you're going to be made redundant at the end of October, that notice must be given to you at the beginning of October. Okay? And that's the first point. You are then entitled to redundancy pay. Redundancy pay is usually tax-free, which is has a certain advantage of that difficult time when you lose your job. Um, there is an upper limit on the tax, but, but for most people it turns out to be a tax-free payment. Um, and that is in addition to the notice period. So typically, if somebody is going to be made redundant at the end of October, they will probably get somewhere around, you know, let's say a month's money as a, a starting point, as their notice period, then they'll also get the redundancy pay on top. Now, this is where it gets kind of interesting from this point of view. To be made redundant at the end of October, as I said, you had to be given notice at the beginning of October or whatever your relevant notice period. It might be six or eight weeks, but it has to be done in advance. Now, if somebody gets to the end of October and they go, oh, we're going to have to make a redundancy, the first thing they have to do is serve the notice period. So if you get to the end of October and that individual is entitled to four weeks' notice, first thing they do is tell you you're redundant at the end of November, not at the end of October. Okay. Now, the next really interesting thing here is on furlough, a company, an employer could make you redundant. But you'll know we've talked before about the new job support scheme. Um, it is absolutely written into the job support scheme that you cannot make a redundancy whilst claiming job support payments for that individual. So if you wish to make one of your people redundant, the first thing you have to do is bring them off the job support scheme and put them back on full pay. 
So actually, if somebody's going to be made redundant in November, they're going to get um, that period of notice, then they'll get their redundancy money on top. I hope I've made that relatively simple. It's quite a complex area of employment law, but I've tried to keep that as straightforward as possible. Did that help? Okay. All right. So basically, yes, uh, you could be made redundant, but you'd have to have the notice period, um, in which case, if you don't already know about it, they can't just turf you out at the end of October. They can't just do it at the end of October. But the really interesting one to watch for is they cannot make you redundant if they put you on the job support scheme. They have to bring you off. And the job support scheme, Sarah, is where you might work a third or half of your hours as we go into November. So if somebody puts you on the job support scheme and then makes you redundant, the first thing they have to do is put you back on full hours or at least full pay, even if you're not working for that point. So okay. Redundancy will be better in November for individuals, but it will be more costly for employers because up till now, an employer has been able to use the furlough claim as a payment towards the redundancy notice period. But from the beginning of November, that benefit to employers has gone. Right. Okay. So um, let's uh, let's touch on something else that uh, we're, well, lots of us woke up to today, the new three-tier system oh, yes. and that's going to have, because that's going to make life, you know, there's a lot of questions now about, well, should we be going to work? Should we be working from home? Um, and that's obviously also going to have an impact on, oh, potentially on manufacturing and also on all of the retail and uh, auxiliary uh, supporting around properties. There is, there is. And this whole working from home thing, as we've talked about before, I'm sitting down here in, in, in rural Sussex and we're in a, uh, we, have, we don't have a low risk, do we? We're, we? We start at medium. It's kind of like Costa coffee cups where you can't get small. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're on the Sussex coast. We're generally in the medium risk area. Um, and equally, I say this with a slight smile on my face as I go, but you're there in a high, in a, in a high risk area. Apparently, but according to my app, I'm in a medium risk area, so... Well, that, you're the second person that's told me that this morning, actually. I've spoken to somebody who's in the London borough of Croydon, who um, technically the London boroughs are high risk. And if you check on the postcode, it says it's high. But if you look on the app, it says it's medium. Um, so they're, they're, there are some teething problems, I think, is the polite way of putting it. Um, but even if you look at the, um, the BBC map... It's a different colour blue to the high risk. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, the definition I've seen for London um, is it's all London boroughs. So mm -hmm. if it's within a London borough, then it's in that uh, high risk. Um, but the, the thing we've got here is if you're in a high risk area, the rules that apply to you apply to not just you in your home, but they apply to you if you travel. So effectively, if you're not allowed to socialise indoors, which, for example, is one of the um, additional requirements you've got, were you decide to come down to rural Sussex today and uh, see us, um, you wouldn't be allowed to socialise indoors, even though we're allowed to socialise indoors with our next door neighbour, because you come from a high risk area. And that, that's quite an interesting thing they put in there. So it's worth a mention in its, uh, in its own way on that point. Um, I 
I think this new uh, three tier is just something we need to learn to live with over the next few months. The current plan, and I was reading quite a lot of detail about it in the paper this morning, the current plan is we are going to ramp up to a million tests a day by December. And we've invested very heavily in this. And that should enable us to reduce some of the onerous precautions we have to take simply because we have a better handle on where the virus is and who's got it and what the hotspots are. But with mm. that, shall we move on to the other part of it, which is the app? Because that's yes, quite interesting, app. again, in its own way. Um, mm. I take it you've got the app on your, um, on your mobile device? I do. Good, good. Me too. And one of the things uh, I, I say is I'm generally encouraging people to do it. And there's a really interesting legal opinion that's come out this week um, that employers need to be a little bit cautious um, on how they deal with this. Because if you force people to do the app, there are a couple of risks. One of which is there's a top employment law opinion that's suggesting if you do, the employer may have become a data controller for GDPR, for data protection purposes which I suspect no employer wants to do, um, particularly in light of the fact they don't have control or access of the data. So there is a potential issue there. Um, and the other issue, and it's a minor one, but it's worthy of thought, if you require people to have the app, um, are you inadvertently discriminating, let's say against an older age group that doesn't tend to have smartphones or something of that type? So I, I think there needs to be a degree of caution over how that's used. Even more interesting, um, I don't know if you've seen the news, there's two major employers. Um, I have no problem in saying who they are, given it's been reported in the media. I think it's Rick's Petroleum and uh, GSK, Gla GlaxoSmithKline. Mm. Both of whom have been reported as asking their workers to either disable the app or turn off Bluetooth in the workplace. Um, it's difficult to understand entirely why they might want to do that, um, but the suggestions are to reduce cases of inadvertent, or oh, I was close to that colleague, do we have to isolate scenarios. Um, so I think that on the one hand, we have employers that are frantically saying, please can you download the app we want you all to have it to help make it safe which in all honesty would be my view and i've encouraged our people to do it but the key word is encourage um but at the other end we do have some employers who are apparently discouraging people making use of the app in the workplace it's strange isn't it i mean i i have a a friend who is a, an osteopath and he has to remember to turn his app off when he's treating because he treats in full PPE yes. um, and so if he forgets to turn it off and then he's, he's he then treats somebody who has who subsequently tests positive then he's in a position where he's like well I was in full PPE so it's it's all kind of yes it's it, it's a tricky yes. one to manage but but clearly the idea of turning it off just so you can't receive a notification is um, as opposed to yeah that's kind of counterproductive really isn't it I, I think there's an element of caution needed, and I guess it really comes down to, Sarah, what elements of safety those employers are putting in place. As you say, where somebody's got full PPE, and you have exactly this in, you, you've highlighted a really good point, in, in hospitals and so on, it, it's incredibly wise to turn the app off, because otherwise it will false report a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. um, 
but in a normal environment, um, it shouldn't. And I think that's why the key point and the way the app is being reported is it's there to help and as a guide, not to instruct. Yes. And shall we just touch on one very last thing here? We've only got a couple of minutes left. But um, BA, a bit of a shake-up going on with British Airways. Yes, an interesting piece that popped out in the news a couple of days ago, and worthy of mention, as you say, um, simply because we've been talking about job losses and how many people are jobs are at risk as a direct result of COVID. Um, people may recall um, a few months ago there was um, some negative news about how a number of the airlines were treating their staff with regards to. Um, pay cuts, changes to working conditions as they struggled to handle the COVID crisis. Um, well, it seems it's just not the employees that's jobs at risk. Um, the CEO of BA is reportedly leaving his post because of or influenced by poor handling of the COVID crisis. So it is important for employers to get this right. And it appears when you don't get it right and don't look after your people well, um, the safety of your own role as chief executive may be at risk too. So uh, yes, there we go. Responsibilities all round. Just reminds us how important getting the uh, the HR and employee engagement right is. <laughs> Fantastic. So thank you, Jason. I think we should probably leave that there for today. I'd like to thank everybody at home for tuning in and watching us again on a Saturday morning. Uh, don't forget, if you have any questions during the course of the week, you can always email them into the team at hastings at aslgroup.co.uk or call them on 01424 452 999. We'll be back in two weeks' time with another Facebook Live session, so keep an eye out for that. But in the meantime, I'd like to say thanks for joining us, and we'll see you then. Jason, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Sarah. Bye-bye. See you soon. Bye-bye.